What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hello there and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, life in plastic, it's fantastic. I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. And our host, Jonathan Strickland, is not with us today. Uh, he had some in- important things to attend to. Mm-hmm. So Lauren and I are flying solo today, but rest assured, Jonathan will be back with us very soon. So Lauren. Yes, Joe. I wanted to tell you a story that I find curious to kick off our podcast today. Okay. And it's a story about how millions and millions of years ago, there were all these little ancient life forms living in the ocean. And over the millions of years, what do life forms do? They die. And they sank to the bottom of the ocean. And they, over millions of years and pressure and geologic action, got turned into oil. Cool. The stuff we love today to its precious car blood. <laughs> that right? Is, right, right, sure. But it's not just precious car blood. It's also the stuff we use to make plastics. 
which sounds so crazy. Well, it's crazy and it's a, sort of an irony because the word plastic is something we often use as sort of a synonym for artificial or not alive, you know, kind of fake, synthetic. Like the plastics from from the epic Mean Girls. Oh, of course. There you go. But if you go back, it comes from life. Huh. Isn't that kind of a beautiful story and a strange irony? <laughs> it is it is both of those things. Although I guess I mean the 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 plastics that we make from that oil are very man-made and, and artificial. There are also naturally occurring plastic-esque substances. Oh, okay, yeah, like maybe sort of like tree rubber. Sure, sure, stuff like that. Yeah. Um but but we have to process that oil type stuff a whole lot in order to get what we know as plastic out of it. Yeah. What what are plastics? What does that word actually mean? I know it doesn't actually mean fake. Uh, it just means something that can be shaped or molded, basically. Um, oh, that makes sense. So like when we talk about the the neuroplasticity of the brain, right. it means the brain can be reshaped. It's changeable. Mm-hmm. And plastics can take on many different characteristics. You know, we can we can make something that's very flexible or something that's very rigid. We can make something that folds under pressure or that's really good at maintaining its shape. All out of basically the same polymers. And um, it's really easy to mass produce compared to a lot of other traditional materials like stone or wood. Uh, easy to mass produce and easy to uh, cut and join and shape and reshape. I'd imagine that might have something to do with the fact that we already have an industrial pipeline that's supplying us with lots and lots of oil, the raw material you use to make plastics. Uh, right, right. Because... During what's called the cracking process of refining oil, you get some useful chemical byproducts. Um, for, for example, here, raw hydrocarbons. These things can be processed further to create hydrocarbon and, and other carbon monomers, which can be further processed to create polymers. And okay, the, the, the molecules in plastic are called polymers, which is a chain of smaller molecular units called monomers. Um, they're they're like the individual links in a polymer chain. Yeah, they're like uh, really long sequences of repeating the same unit over and over, right? Oh, right, exactly. However, all of this processing requires a little bit of experimentation with different types of monomers. And, and by combining them in different amounts and arrangements, you can create all of these different types of plastics that we've been talking about. Right, because I'd imagine the plastics that make your polyester suit are different from the plastics that make your grocery bag and the plastics that make the hard things that fit on parts of your car. Oh, I would I would imagine so as well. Although some of them are really weird and tricky and 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 kind of flow together in ways that you wouldn't expect them to. But most of them are chemically inert, which is a really important factor here because it, it means that you can put plastic up next to other stuff and not have it interact with that stuff. Oh, right. So you like you wouldn't want to make say a beverage containing container. <laughs> Out of stuff that might react with the beverage you put in it. Uh, that would be, generally speaking, bad. Yeah. Um. And okay. So, so you don't have to worry too much about it. There's, there's a little bit of of controversy and study and worry that many consumer plastics, especially soft plastics, which uh make up a large amount of the consumer plastic continuum, um, do in fact leach chemicals into surrounding materials and sometimes toxic chemicals. But that that is probably a whole other different podcast. 
Um, and, and hey, okay, so even if plastics do not interact with the stuff around them, that lack of reaction isn't all good all the time because the same stability that makes plastic so useful for holding stuff and carrying stuff and not wrinkling even after you've put it through the washing machine will also make it resistant to decay, which means that plastic tends to stick around for a really long time in landfills. Joe, you looked into how long this is. Yeah, okay, so there's a statistic you see floating around. Not a statistic, it's just a number. Uh, and I wondered where it came from. You've probably heard this. You'll, the plastic grocery bags you get at the store, it takes them 500 years to decompose in a landfill. Oof. Uh, I don't know if that's true from what I read. <laughs> Uh, it looks like so the polyethylene you find in the grocery bags will take a really, really long time to decay. We we know that uh, the 500 years thing from what I've read, that's more just kind of an estimate that stands in to say a really, really long time. We don't know how long. And the reason it takes so long is that we're really not getting any help from the biosphere in decomposing this product. The, the plastics like that are not biodegradable. So when you put, say, a chunk of wood or paper or food waste into the garbage dump, all the bacteria say, hey, just free lunch. Food, Delicious. excellent, go, yeah. yeah. And they go in and they eat it up and they decompose it and turn it down into lots of different little chemical constituents and it gets recycled into the atmosphere and the soil mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, the whole circle of life, right. Biodegradable is basically a really fancy word for bi- bacteria like to eat it. Yeah, but plastics like PET are not food for these bacteria, other microbes. They're not interested. Not delicious. They see that. They say, eh, not delectable. I turn my nose up at it and I will go munch on this, you know, pile of feces over here. <laughs> so so how do how do plastics I mean, do plastics break down at all? Yeah. They, so they undergo not biodegradation, but something called photodegradation. So when you shine sunlight on plastics, the UV radiation breaks the plastics down into smaller and smaller pieces over time. Huh. And this is how plastic floating in the ocean breaks down over time. Unfortunately, depending on the chemical composition of the plastic, the smaller pieces might also be toxic. Huh. Uh, also, if you're burying plastic in a landfill, which is what we mentioned earlier, you're burying it away from the sunlight. You're probably not helping the photodegradation process along. However, if you're looking for biodegradation, not all plastics are the same. Uh, For example, by adding biodegradable additives to normal plastics, you can make them more appetizing to the microbes. So, for example, you might substitute just 1% of the volume of a plastic resin load with pellets of biodegradable additive. And if they work as advertised, they can make it so that the bacteria look at that and say, yum, (laughs) and get in there and eat it up. So there are questions there about, well, okay, so if you put this additive in there, is the plastic going to perform just as well in in its industrial use uh, or in its consumer use? And generally, I I think we're pretty good at that now. Like we can get it pretty much working the same with these additives that make it yummy. But as we introduce this, part of the appeal of plastics is that they're not yummy. (laughs) <laughs> and that they're not easily reactive. Uh, right. Sure. So you're so you're changing part of what we liked about the thing in the first place. Um, but but hey, an- another issue involved with the waste products that are made of plastic. Some landfills don't just bury their waste. They burn them in incinerators, too. Oh, so. Uh, so how how do plastics fare when you apply fire to them? Well, 
I have burned lots of plastic army men as a child <laughs> and stood over them breathing the delicious fumes. And that's not good for you, is it? Uh, no, that is that is bad. Well, especially if, if you're doing it at low enough temperatures. And by low enough temperatures, I mean like below 850 degrees Celsius, a.k.a. 1600 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, How you're... hot is bottle rocket? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think under that, I could be, I could be incorrect. Right. Um, but, but yeah, n- nasty chemicals can be released during that process. Um, there, there's these carcinogenic toxins called dioxins that will break down under high enough temperatures. Um, but yeah, but, but, but can be released into the air or leached from ash into the environment if you go down below that threshold that I mentioned a minute ago. And even if you're doing it properly, which landfills do, uh, some, some toxins can still be released as the emission gases cool down. Even if you are, okay, let's say that you're doing it totally correctly, you're not worried about dioxins anymore, you do still have to worry about carbon dioxide. Burning plastic creates more carbon dioxide than would be produced if you uh, just let it decompose in a very sunny landfill. <laughs> <laughs> all of all of those sun landfills. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, th- there are some like high efficiency energy recovery systems that recapture some carbon dioxide and can use it as fuel, um, reducing your carbon footprint from burning plastics. But that's a really specific case. Not not all landfill systems have this sort of thing. Yeah. So I'd imagine if you're talking about traditional petroplastics, probably one of the best things you can do with them is recycle the recyclable ones, right? Oh, absolutely. And lots of them can be recycled. I mean, it, very rarely it's considered more expensive than is really worthwhile. But plastics are one of the things that, that most recyclers really enjoy working with because you get a pretty good return on on investment. Um, however, lots of plastic just doesn't get recycled. According to Harvard's Weiss Institute, which will come up again in just a moment, only 3% of the 300 million tons of plastic that we produce every year worldwide is recycled. That's wow. that's terrifying. What, so what happens to the rest? They just throw it in it's that just garbage patch in the Pacific Ocean? Yeah, either either in the ocean and landfills, it gets burned, et cetera, I, et cetera. I think I read that garbage patch is like mostly plastic, isn't it? I have not read anything about it, but I am extra terrified now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it makes perfect sense that, you know, that, that people are, I mean, because especially since any, many other kinds of waste are going to either decompose or have been taken out beforehand, like no one's going to put steel in the middle of the ocean because steel is valuable. You're yeah. going to take that out first. And it's not going to float. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we have a really good grip on science here on this show. No, that'd be at the bottom. It'd be the great Pacific garbage pile. <laughs> Yes. Okay, but but so aside from <laughs> the Great Pacific garbage pile, there are some other answers to to what to do with all of this plastic or or how to perhaps lessen the amount of plastic that is going out there. Lauren, are you telling me that there is a sweeter, more uh, environmentally friendly way to make plastics? Yes, you can make bioplastics. It's made of smiles. Oh, wow. Well, I should have probably said uh debatably <laughs> friendlier and sweeter version, right? Yes. I I mean, because, okay, bioplastics do come from biological sources, um, which supply polymers used to create essentially very similar plastic products. Yeah, I believe I've I've drank out of bottles before that said they were made with corn. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. That's one of the most common ones. It's called PLA or polyactide, which is uh, which is usually made from corn. It's starch based and is commonly used in product packaging and clothing. It was um, invented back in the year 2000 as a collaboration between a couple of chemical companies. The the very earliest one, however, was celluloid, which was developed in all the way back in the 1860s, made from um, cotton that had been dipped in acid, uh, along with camphor from the camphor laurel tree. Oh, wow. Okay. So I can see in the root of that word that might come from cellulose. Like, isn't cotton is basically just cellulose, right? It's oh, like yeah. Plant, plant stuff, the cell walls of plant cells are cellulose. Mm-hmm, that's it exactly. Um, cellophane, you know, cl- clear plastic sheets that we use mostly for food packaging is another bioplastic that was invented in the early 1900s. Um, yeah, and, and that cellulose stuff, all of these having the same root, it's it's an organic compound that's a polysaccharide, which is, which is the stuff in cell walls of green plants. Yeah, that's cool. So what else can we make bioplastics from? Uh, soybeans. Back in the 1930s, Henry Ford actually started making auto parts out of soybeans and in 1941 unveiled an entire soybean car, which was a, a bioplastic body on a, on a steel frame. Wow. And uh, but but you can use basically any any plant. I mean, lots of starchy stuff, uh, cane sugar, wood bark, switchgrass, and possibly even food waste can oh, go cool. into bioplastics. Um, like I said, that most common one is made from corn. Um, but uh, like I said, sugar cane, uh, PET, a version of polyethylene tetraphthalate, I think I said that correctly, um, can be made from sugarcane instead of the usual petrochemical process. Oh, PET is really common, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Toyota and AT&T use a bioplastic version of PET in interior trim and also cell phone case components, you know, respectively. Right. <laughs> right. Um, my, my very favorite kind of bioplastic is PHB, and that's polyhydroxybutyrate, which is made from bacteria. And... Okay, so if you get the right kind of bacteria into a fermentation tank, uh, it'll churn out biopolymers like lactic acid and polyesters, which can then be processed into monomers, into polymers, into plastic. So these are made in these big bioreactor things. Bioreactors, right? right, Yeah, yeah. I just love to get inside one of those. I don't think you would. I think it would be warm and stanky. I don't. (laughs) I don't think. I don't think that's a place for Joe. Okay. uh, So I mentioned earlier that uh, it's debatable, but that bioplastics might be net benefit for the environment over petroplastics. What What's the deal? Why might they be better? Well, some are biodegradable, so they will eventually break down under the right conditions. And those conditions depend upon the type of bioplastic. Okay, but the important thing to say there is that they're actually biodegradable, not yes. just not just that they break down into smaller pieces under the sunlight. But that but, bacteria will actually yeah, eat them. Little animals eat them up and turn them into <laughs> chemicals. Yes, yes. And and those those conditions range from regular old landfill conditions, um, although that is certainly not ideal. Um, because you, you really need oxygen in the process of biodegradation and landfills are not where oxygen is hanging out most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, to, uh, so, some can be biodegraded in home composting. Uh, which of course would depend on you knowing which things of yours you can t- are bioplastic put in the compost and pile. yeah and yeah. also you actually composting. Um, <laughs> I, I am certainly too lazy to compost, which I feel pretty bad about actually. But Sometimes I do some accidental composting. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but but there's there's also industrial composting, which is a, definitely a really great way to get bioplastics to biodegrade. However, not everyone has access. Most most home consumers do not have access to industrial composting. Yeah, I was thinking, how do you get it there? Yeah, uh, you you don't basically. Um, like like large enough contracts through, for example, if a if a hotel uses entirely bioplastic containers for its, I don't know, shampoos and water bottles and whatever else it sells, or a stadium. You know, anytime that you've got a captive audience and you can pretty reliably get a whole bunch of bioplastics together, you can sell those or send them to a uh, to an industrial composting thing. Okay. So let's say we're in one of those places where you just, uh, you know, burn everything, burn it all. I get in that mood sometime, I understand. It, it, do they provide any real advantage over regular petrochemical plastics when it comes to incineration? Eh? I mean, it's it's definitely worth saying that they can be incinerated. I, I've read oh, quite yeah. a few things saying they can be incinerated. It, it's sort of considered a form of recycling. You're not recycling the material, but you're reclaiming energy. Uh, sure. I mean, plastics are very energy dense. And so as a, as a kind of post- process fuel source, they can be pretty uh, awesome. However, uh, we couldn't find any sources that stated really definitively um, exactly what chemically happens when you burn bioplastics. Um, and this is partially because a lot of the sources out there are makers of bioplastics. Yeah. Well, some pro-bioplastic literature says that you can reduce the carbon emissions. Right. Uh, like the bioplastics don't add to the net carbon emissions. Like petroplastics the, the way that, would, right? Mm-hmm. But we're not we're not entirely sure. Some some definite downsides to bioplastics. Most of these actually come in uh, with kind of consumer misunderstanding of the product's life cycles. Like you were saying earlier, knowing whether or not this thing that you have should be put in your compost. Um, uh, n- number one is is bioplastics can create a lot of recycling havoc. Even a relatively small amount of bioplastic mixed in with regular plastics can contaminate an entire recycling batch, Ooh. which is bad times for everyone involved. Um, like we like we said, most bioplastics do indeed need to be composted. They will not fare very well in landfills. Uh, bioplastics do produce methane, which is a greenhouse gas when they decompose. Methane's and, actually worse than CO two. Yeah, it? yeah. It's well, uh, everything's bad, but it's not. It's certainly not good. Um, similarly to the CO two collection process, landfills and other dumps can um, can collect methane and use it as a fuel source. But still, that's only if they have put that in place. Um, and also. You know, if, if you're growing crops in order to make plastic, you're using fields that could be creating food for people or for livestock. In fact, the corn that goes into PLAs is generally a livestock feed, uh, which is referred to, if you're really interested in corn, number two <laughs> yellow dent. Say that again. <laughs> What's it called? Yeah, number two yellow dent. D-E-N-T. Dent. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I've never honestly been that interested in corn. I maybe I should be. Maybe, maybe it's a whole world that I've never explored. You know, when a plant has a number in its name, <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds like a pencil, yeah, like it's like less like a plant, uh, and more like a uh, like a robot prototype. <laughs> I'm I'm sure that there is a long and interesting entomological uh, reason for for that thing. Okay, but so um so once once you get away from from all of 
the types of bioplastics that we've been making for the past decade or two, which I mean are are, are pretty cool. Like like we're being a little bit skeptical here, but uh, we want to make it clear that this is not necessarily a giant panacea for for the future of plastics, right? No, but I encourage this research. Oh, absolutely. So so there so there's more research being done. Uh, just in the spring of 2014, we we are recording this in 2014. You may in fact be listening to this in 2014. Um, Harvard's Weiss Institute for Biologically Inspired Engineering announced that they had created a bioplastic made from shrimp shells. Awesome. Um, specifically from the polymer chitosan, which is a form of chitin, which is the second most abundant organic material on the planet, being that it makes up crustacean shells, insect exoskeletons, uh, some insect wings, other stuff like that. You know what? It would be great if you had a factory making this that was right next to a seafood restaurant, <laughs> because other, what do you do with all those shells? It's always a shame when you eat shrimp and then on the edge of your plate, There's where do you put this- all the tails? <laughs> What do you do with them? Well, on an industrial level, what is done with that kind of stuff? Apparently, it's made into all kinds of weird stuff, including makeup. (laughs) Things I never knew about shrimp shells. Yeah. Your face. It smells like the ocean. Okay, back back to back to this bioplastic. These these researchers from Harvard specifically combined. This chitosan with uh, with wood flour, which is a byproduct of wood processing, um, to help it maintain its shape, which was a cost improvement over the traditional beef or upper for chitin, which is a protein from silk, which is pretty expensive. Oh yeah, yeah. And and so the the researchers say that it can be mass manufactured for use in all kinds of objects, like uh, toys or cell phones or trash bags, packaging, you know, diapers. And that it breaks down in just a few weeks, even degrading into like plant friendly nutrients. Like if you put plants in stuff where this is buried, the plants will be happier and healthier. Okay, so if we're using this to make stuff like toys and cell phones and stuff like that, why doesn't it break down while you're using it? Or is it just for burner phones? I. <laughs> Uh, probably that's it. Uh, no, no. Um, actually, uh, none of the reports that I read, and I don't think that the as of the recording of this podcast on May twenty third of twenty fourteen, I couldn't find the actual article in print that this research. Uh, this was all press releases ahead of print. Oh, okay. so so this is kind of the pre release version, and I could not find any information on what exactly what kind of degradation process they were talking about here. Okay. So it might need to be in the presence of some other materials. To... Uh-huh. Or it might need to be in a composting situation. It yeah. might need to write okay. some kind of chemical thing. I'm not sure yet. Well, there um, we go. Well, maybe maybe whenever that publishes, we can throw up a blog post. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Discussing shrimp plastic. <laughs> Yeah, and and they're not the only people, obviously, working on this kind of thing. Uh, My my other favorite story from the headlines is that a a team of students from Imperial College London won an award in the 2013 International Genetically Engineered Machine Competition for a specific bioplastic manufacturing process. Um, And and this this process of theirs was that they they retooled the genetic code of E. coli. E. coli. E. coli. The bacteria. The bacteria. So that these critters can break down normal old landfill waste into bioplastic monomers, which you can process into polymers, which you can process into plastic. 
So we may in the future be turning trash into Happy Meal toys. Yeah. We might be turning old Happy Meal toys into new Happy Meal toys. Circle of life. Yeah, it's kind of beautiful, right? So, so I'm, I'm really hoping that that becomes a thing because, because in the, in the meanwhile, you know, bi- bioplastics, being that they come from a renewable resource are a step up in the carbon footprint area from petroleum based plastics, for sure. Right. Um, you know, but, but, but like we said, they are not absolutely perfect and, and getting rid of them is difficult and plastics are so useful that it's, it's also not viable to just get rid of plastics entirely. Right. So so what's the future of plastics? Well, I think this is one of those things where we're sort of coming in in the, the middle of a conversation about the, the supposed benefits of bioplastics compared to petroplastics. And we're just going to see how that turns out, I guess. But especially if there's ongoing research about mm-hmm. new ways to make it, uh, that might have a big impact on what those pros and cons are in the future. Oh, certainly. And, and also research like this might help reduce the cost of bioplastics, which has been one of the barriers to introducing them more widely mm-hmm. uh, because they're more expensive. I mean, and, and a range of more expensive. I, I, I think at the low end, they might be 20 percent more expensive than traditional plastics. And at the high end, a lot more than that, depending on on what type of thing you're comparing to what other type of thing. Okay, but yes, yeah, so so you can you can find all of our stuff at fwthinking.com if you would like to further get in touch with us. You can email us that is fwthinking at discovery.com and uh, we are on many forms of social media including Facebook, Twitter and Google+. Our handle again is fwthinking. And we hope that we will hear from you. Either way, you will hear from us again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. 
What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.